0: Well, good morning and welcome to Liberty. My name is Pastor Corbett and I have the joy of serving as the campus pastor at our Harborview campus. And I wanna say a special welcome today to all of those that are joining us at all of our locations, those who are tuning in online. I hope that you had a very merry Christmas. And I want you to know we are praying that you have the best year ever in 2024. So who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's give him praise because he's worthy of it. Amen. Well, it is an incredible honor and it is a great opportunity to share with you on the last day of the year. You know, at this time, many of you are thinking about the year that just passed. You might be thinking about what went well. Maybe you're reflecting on what didn't go so well. Maybe you're thinking about how you've grown over the course of 2023, or maybe you're thinking about ways that you would like to grow as you look ahead to a new year. Many people on the last day of the year are thinking about New Year's resolutions, and some of you, you cringe even at the thought of a New Year's resolution. If you're like me, maybe you've tried that once or twice, and if we're honest, it was six of the best days of our life. We just never made it to January 7th. But I want to encourage you today. I'm not here to encourage you to make a New Year's resolution or to turn over a new leaf. But what I do wanna do is to challenge you to look into God's word and perhaps move into 2024 with a change of heart and a change of mind. Today, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter seven. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter seven and the verses that we're gonna start with are the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Over the course of three chapters, Jesus explains to those who are listening how they can live a godly life in the midst of a fallen world. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see in this passage, Jesus gives us the illustration of a house that's built upon the rock and a house that's built upon the sand. And he compares these two individuals being a wise man and a foolish man. And I believe it's easy to read this passage and to quickly go past it and to think the wise person had better information They had more knowledge. They had access to something that the foolish person didn't. But that's simply not what we see in the passage. When you look at it, it says that the one who is wise, who builds their house upon the rock, hears the words of Jesus and does them. However, when it talks about the foolish person, it says that they also hear the word of Jesus, but they do not do them. You see, the difference is in the action, the difference is in the application. The person who hears the word of Jesus and responds in obedience is compared to a wise person who builds their house upon the rock. They build their house upon a sure foundation. You see, when a house is built upon the rock, though the elements come, the rain falls, the wind blows, the floodwaters rise, it can stand strong because it is built on a firm foundation. I believe as Jesus is speaking to his followers and to those who are listening, He wants them to know that if they're going to follow him, the storms of life are going to come their way. There's going to be days where they face trials, challenges, even persecution. But if their life is founded on him, if their life is founded on his teachings, that they can stand in the midst of life's storms. You see, on the other side, we have the individual who hears the word of the Lord and does not do it. And this person is compared to a fool, one who builds their house on the sand. This house is built on a foundation that can't stand because when the elements come, when the winds blow, when the floods rise, the house will fall. You know, during the midst of the hot summers around the Sea of Galilee, the sand there would become hard and it would almost have the appearance of rock. But a wise builder knew that they had to dig several feet deeper in order to get to the bedrock, in order to establish a firm foundation for their house. You see, the house that is built upon the sand has the appearance of beauty. It appears to be desirable. It's close to the water. It's in a great location, but it's built on an unstable foundation. Though one may enjoy it for a season, it would not withstand the storms that would come its way. No no matter how beautiful that house is, no matter how desirable it may be, its certain end would be destruction because it was not built on a foundation that would last. You see in this passage, Jesus gives us two houses, but the spiritual connection that we can make to our life is evident, living for and pursuing the ways of the world instead of following Jesus. You see the things of the world, they are promising. They try to convince us that everybody is doing it. It's appealing. They seem like a no brainer, but their end is destruction. They're temporary. They never truly satisfy. And instead of giving you the life that they desire, they rob you of knowing the one who can give you true life and life in abundance. As we look ahead to 2024, I want us to look at how you can live a life that matters, how you can build your life upon the rock so that even when the storms come, even when you face the trials of this life, you can stand firm on the foundation, which is Jesus. You see, Jesus is doing something in this passage that he frequently does throughout the Gospels. He presents that there is a path that leads to life and there's a path that leads to destruction. And I believe in this passage, he is urging with his listeners to build your life upon a firm foundation. Invest your life in something that is gonna last. Do not waste your life. You know, a few days ago, Uh, Kimber and I took our boys up to this parking lot that's near our house and it's a big open parking lot. There's rarely any cars parked in it and so we take them there so they can ride their scooters and their bikes and they're three and five and so it doesn't take a whole lot to entertain them. If they can find a stick laying around, somehow it turns into a battle and they're entertained for hours. But as we were there at the parking lot, our oldest, Caden, got on his scooter and he started riding as fast as he could towards the other end of the parking lot. Well, little Carter had his helmet on and he didn't grab his scooter. He didn't grab his bike. He just started running as fast as he could behind him. And they're laughing, they're cackling. And we thought, surely somebody is going to fall down and this is not going to end well. Thankfully, they did it. But Caden rode as fast as he could and he got towards the end of the parking lot and there was a median and he started turning and making his way back to where Kimber and I were seated. The only bad thing is Carter continued to run full speed straight ahead, even though Caden had turned. And on the other side of that parking lot, there was a a busy road that had traffic going both directions. And so I noticed this and I saw Carter headed towards danger. And so I jumped up and I took off running and I started yelling, Carter, 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 stop. Hoping that he would hear me, hoping that he would realize that there was danger ahead. But in that moment, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't reach out my arms and grab him. I couldn't stick out my my arm to slow him down. All I could do was yell and hope that he heard me. Now, either he didn't hear me or he didn't respond in obedience. I'm not gonna tell you guys which one I think it is. You can try to determine what you think happened in that scenario. But thankfully, at the last minute, something grabbed his attention and he ran over to the right towards a tree and I was able to catch up to him and pick him up. And I tell you that story because it was a moment where there was danger ahead. There was destruction potentially ahead of him. And all I could do was cry out and hope that he heard my voice. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing in that passage. I believe that's the cry of my heart today as one of your pastors is to say, so many people will spend their whole life building upon a foundation, investing their time, their energy, their resources into things that will never last. And I believe Jesus is saying, build your life upon the rock, invest in that which will last for eternity. So how do we do that? How do we invest in building upon a firm foundation? I want us to look throughout the Sermon on the Mount and see a few of Jesus's key teachings that I believe we can put into into practice. If you wanna build your life upon the rock, here are three questions I wanna encourage you to ask. The first one is, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Just one chapter earlier in Matthew chapter six, Starting in verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So we see this warning, do not lay up your treasure on earth. Laying up your treasure on earth is treasuring temporary things. So think about this. What are you investing your life in? The pursuit of money, status. Are you investing your life in your job, in material things? and the approval of others? What are you living for? The world tries to convince you that you need all of these things to be satisfied, that you need a new car, that you need a bigger house, that you need a better job, that you need a relationship, that you need to obtain to a certain status. And sadly, so many people will spend their entire life pursuing these things, believing that they're gonna bring life, that they're gonna bring joy, that they're gonna bring fulfillment. And in fact, They do the opposite. If you need an example of the fleeting joy of the things of this earth, look no further than some of the young parents in this room. You have kids that have been asking for Christmas presents for months. For three months, they've been asking for the same thing, and yet on Christmas Day, before you could even get the trash thrown away from that toy, they were ready to move on to the next thing. They were waiting there with something else that they wanted to begin to play with. The things of this world, their joy is fleeting. The temporary treasures of this life will keep you from experiencing the giver of life and the Prince of Peace. Not only that, but instead of bringing fulfillment, they often bring anxiety. This is talked about later in chapter six of of the book of Matthew. And you might wonder, why is that? Why do pursuing the treasures of this life bring anxiety? Because every earthly treasure is temporary. It can fade. You can lose it. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. And so naturally, when someone invests their life in something that is temporary, in something that is fragile. It results in anxiety. It results in fear because there's this constant worry. What happens if it's gone? What happens if it's taken away from me? What if I lose my money or the stock market goes down? What if I'm not promoted? What if suddenly I don't have the status or the relationship that I once had? What if the things that I invested my money into are destroyed? You see, in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, the first 18 verses, Jesus teaches on praying, fasting, and giving. And in that three times, he says, do not be like the hypocrites. When he's talking about the hypocrites, he is referring to the religious elite of that day, which are the Pharisees. The Pharisees had this way of going out and praying and giving and fasting in such a way so that other people would see them and so that they would appear righteous before others. The Pharisees were known for legalism, for promoting self-righteousness, and on several occasions in Scripture, they are condemned for having this outward appearance of righteousness, but having a heart that is far from God. Ultimately, they were performing acts of worship to receive praise and approval from others, promoting self-righteousness rather than bringing honor to and desiring to encounter the living God of this action, Jesus says that they've already received their reward, that their reward is that people think they're godly, that people think they are righteous. But what Jesus encourages his followers to do is to seek the Lord in private, to go and to pray in private, to fast and not let anybody know, to give and not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. And he says, the father who sees in private will reward you. You see, The Pharisees' religious acts were simply laying up their treasure on earth rather than laying up their treasure in heaven. Because rather than doing things that were of eternal value, they were simply appearing righteous before men. Although they may have been viewed as righteous by the people around them, they were rejected by God. And when you read this passage, it's easy to think how foolish it is to invest your whole life in temporary treasures, or in earthly things. But so many people do it. I want you to see one thing, and then we're gonna come back to this verse. Perhaps the most dangerous part of this passage is verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart is, the word that's translated heart really communicates the center of one's being, their emotion, their reason, their will, what you treasure or where you place your treasure will have a major influence on the decisions that you make and the direction of your life. So Jesus warns his followers, do not lay up your treasure on earth, but instead he tells them, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Laying up your treasure in heaven is investing your life in the things that are eternal The things that are going to live on beyond your time here on this earth. The passage tells us that treasures that are laid up in heaven will not be destroyed and they cannot be taken away. You see, in this life, we often have the choice of greater reward in the present or greater future reward in heaven. I urge you today to hear the words of Jesus and to do them. Don't spend your whole life pursuing things that are going to fade. Don't invest all of your time and all that you have into things that are temporary, but rather lay up your treasure in heaven. Invest your life in things that are eternal. Because I believe what you treasure directly influences what you seek after. And that moves us to our second question. What are you seeking after? What are you seeking after today? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. Will be added unto you. You see, in chapter six, Jesus addresses a list of things that people have a tendency to seek after the approval of others, the praise and acceptance of others, money, wealth, status, material things, life necessities such as food and water and clothing. And not all of these things are bad. In fact, some of them we need. We have to have food, we have to have water and clothing and money in order to survive. But the warning is, not to pursue these things and miss out on the one thing that truly matters. You know, I think about the story of Mary and Martha that we see in scripture. Mary and Martha had Jesus over to their home and Martha busied herself, making sure everything was perfect, that the food was great. The house was clean, that Jesus was going to have the best experience. And yet Mary simply sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his teaching. At the end of the time together, we see that Martha is frustrated. Why didn't my sister help me? Why didn't she join in in the serving? And Jesus says to Martha that she was anxious about many things, but her sister chose the good portion, which cannot be taken away from her. You see, there are many things that you can focus on in this life, but are you seeking first the most important thing? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I wanna spend just some time today talking about how do we seek first the kingdom of God? I believe there are three practical ways that we can seek the kingdom of God first in our lives. The three things that I believe stick out in this passage are with our time, with our money, and with our talents. The first one is our time. Jesus spent a significant portion of chapter six talking about praying and fasting, talking about the importance of spending time with God. And one of the ways that I believe we seek first the kingdom of God is by spending time with him. When it comes to your time, does God get your first? Does God get your best? I fear for far too many of us that work and school and our hobbies and everything else gets the best of our time. And God simply gets what's left over. I want to give you two very practical things when it comes to your time to prioritize in 2024. The first one is time in the word, time in the word of God. If you aren't intentional to seek out and set aside time to spend in God's word, the reality is you won't do it. If you're like me, the day gets busy and you think, well, I'll do it later today. And when later in the day comes, you're tired and you think I'll do it tomorrow. And what happens is we have great intentions about spending time in God's word, but we never actually find ourselves spending time with him, studying his word. If you want to build your life upon the rock, the passage tells us it requires hearing and doing the words of Jesus. We can't know what Jesus has said apart from his word, and we can't live in obedience to it apart from knowing it. And so if we want to build our life upon the rock, if we want to build our life upon a firm foundation, we have to prioritize spending time with the Lord in his word. At all of our campuses, we have reading plans that are kicking off on January 1st through the UVersion app where you can study scripture together with other people. I believe your campus pastors will share about it today. If not, you can stop by the Next Step Center and ask, how can I be a part of that plan so that you can be studying scripture with other believers? Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'm not quite ready for the one-year Bible. That's okay. My encouragement to you is start somewhere. Start somewhere and prioritize spending time in God's word. The second thing is spending time in prayer. Like spending time in the Word, I believe if we don't prioritize spending time in prayer, it's something that we won't do. Prayer is an opportunity for us to adore God and worship Him for who He is. It's an opportunity for us to confess our sins. It's an opportunity for us to thank Him for all that He's done and to bring our requests to Him. And oftentimes, as we seek the Lord through prayer, God shifts our focus from the things of this life to his plan and his character and his power and his way. I wanna encourage you to develop the habit of spending time in God's word every day, but also I wanna encourage you to prioritize 21 days of prayer. 21 Days of Prayer will kick off next Sunday and we'll meet every Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. in our permanent locations on Saturday at 9 a.m. And it's an opportunity for us to just seek the Lord at the beginning of our year, to bring our requests to him and ask him to move in a powerful way. And I believe if you go on the journey with us, that God will do a powerful work in your life. I believe first that we can seek the kingdom of God with our time, but also I believe that we seek first the kingdom of God With our money, with our money. Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says this. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I believe that seeking first the kingdom of God, I believe that we can do that through our giving, giving God our first. When we give, we guard against money having our heart instead of God. And I believe the greatest antidote to greed is generosity. God has blessed us with everything that we have. When we give, we communicate that his kingdom work is greater than our earthly pursuits. You know, a few weeks back, we did in a push where we encouraged our kids' ministry. We gave these little boxes that they took home, and we encouraged them to bring back an offering that they could give towards Lottie Moon International Missions. And my boys came home, and they were so excited. They had these little boxes. And I looked as Caden went into his room, and he has this bag of money. And you might think, where does he get this cash from? He saves it up from birthdays. I think when he's with grandparents, he just asks for money and they give it to him. I'm not really sure where it comes from, but he's got this bag of cash. And I watched as he just threw money into this box and he filled this box up and he brought it to me and it was heavy. And he said as innocently as a kid could, hey dad, can I give this much money and still get a Nintendo Switch? And I laugh because you just see the heart of a child there. And I told him, yes, you can give that much because we were gonna get him a Nintendo Switch for Christmas, and so he, he, gave, that, he gave that money. Um, and then I, a few minutes later, I looked, and Carter, which is our three-year-old, was in his room, and he was filling a box full of money. The only problem is he had grabbed Caden's money bag, and he was giving Caden's money to the <laughs> offering. So maybe that's a point I need to share is you can't give somebody else's money. It has to be yours. That's probably a good principle when we talk about giving. But I said, buddy, you you can't give your brother's money. And so he ran to his room and he grabbed his piggy bank and he began stuffing it in his box. And in that moment, I believe that God calls me to pause because we often talk about childlike faith. And there was something that I felt like my kids were demonstrating that is convicting to so many followers of Jesus. And I started asking myself, why is it that they're able to give so freely even though they don't have much money of their own? And here's what I believe God revealed. They have a mom and a dad that take care of their meals, their food, their clothing, their bills. They don't have to worry where that next meal is coming from. They don't have to worry how they're going to pay for that next bill. And when I began thinking about that, God directed me to this passage in Matthew chapter 6. Where it says, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Because you have a heavenly father that loves you. It tells us that he feeds the birds of the air who neither sow nor reap. And he closed the lilies of the field who are here today and they're gone tomorrow. And what I believe God spoke in that moment is you can give sacrificially. You can give beyond what you think your means are because you have a God that promises to meet your needs. You have a God that promises to provide. And so on this last day of the year, I want you to consider what God might call you to do. Maybe you haven't had a chance to give towards the big give or towards Lottie Moon. And my encouragement to you today is to seek the Lord and respond in obedience to whatever he shares. But maybe you've already given to those and God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you gave at a comfortable level, or maybe you give at the level that you have given every year. And maybe today God's saying, you can do more. I want to ask you, what could be more important than investing so that we can build permanent campuses all around Hampton Roads so that the gospel can penetrate the cities around us? What could be more important than giving so that the next generation of pastors and worship leaders and missionaries and Christian leaders can be raised up for a lifetime of serving him? What could be more important than giving to see the gospel go to people that have little to no access to it? Church, I encourage you today, as God speaks to your heart, as he encourages you, that you respond in obedience and you give. What might God do if we brought him our best gifts today? If we sought him first with our money? You may think that what you can give is insignificant. You may think that God could never use it to make a difference. But I want to remind you of what he did when a little boy brought him five loaves of bread and two fish. He fed 5,000 people and there were baskets of food left over. And I believe that when we bring God our best, when we respond in obedience, he can do more with the little that we have than we could ever imagine. I believe God calls us to seek him first with our time, with our money, but also with our talents. Matthew chapter six, verse 25 says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This verse speaks to life necessities, to food, to water, to clothing, things that we need. We can get so anxious, making sure that everything's taken care of, that we can live a comfortable and a safe life, that that becomes our main pursuit. We start working longer hours, we start working overtime to make sure we have enough money for all of the things that we need. And what happens is work gets our best instead of God. That work gets more of us than our families. Now, I'm not telling you not to work. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. I believe that you should go to work and you should give your very best while you're there. And I believe that your light should shine before men so that they can see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But what I'm saying, as Pastor has said so many times during our previous series, is to keep everything in its rightful place. You can't be so consumed with work that you're not present with your family. You can't be giving so much to work, that you're not using your gifts and your talents and your abilities that God has given you to serve him and his kingdom. You see, the church is one body that has many members. We all have different gifts and God desires to use your gifts for his glory and to further his kingdom. Each one of us has a role to play within his body. I believe that one of the ways that we can seek first the kingdom of God in 2024 is by using our gifts and our abilities and our talents to invest in the lives of others. I wanna take just a moment and I wanna thank all of our Life Team members that serve every single week throughout throughout the year. Come on, let's put our hands together and just thank those who serve. I also wanna take a moment and just thank those who served this past weekend at our Christmas Eve services. Some served two, three, four services. And here's what I want you to know. We can't do what we do without you, that you play a key part of what takes place here at Liberty. But you know what I noticed? There were individuals that they were there all day serving three and four services. There are people every Sunday that they show up and they serve for multiple services and in different capacities. And here's what I would say, those individuals get it. They're investing their life in seeing another generation reached. They're investing their life in seeing the gospel go forward. But here's what I truly believe. Every time there's a person that's serving an extra service or in a different role, I believe there's somebody in our church family that has a similar gifting that hasn't answered the call yet. And so maybe what you need to do in, 24 is, in 2024 is to take that next step and to say, God, I'm gonna use my talents. I'm gonna use my abilities. I'm gonna use what you've given me and I'm gonna begin serving you and serving your church. I encourage you to seek first God with your time, with your money, with your talents, because what you seek will determine what you build. Let's look at this last question. What are you building your life upon? You see, the things you seek after, the decisions you make over time are building something. In his New York Times bestseller, The Atomic Habits*, James Clear writes, every action you take is a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. I want you to follow the path that we've been on this morning. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Whatever you desire influences what you seek after. What you seek after means the things that you do, the choices that you make, what you prioritize. Over time determines what you build. And what you build or the foundation that you build upon will determine the outcome of your life. I wanna take you back to our verse that we started with today. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let me ask you this morning, as you look ahead at a new year, as you wrap up 2023, are you building your life upon the rock today? Are you laying up your treasures in heaven? Are you seeking God first in all the different areas of your life? Are you walking in obedience to his word? If not, what needs to change for you in 2024? Don't waste a year. Don't waste your life. Don't continue to invest in the things that are gonna pass away, but live a life that matters. Live a life that's gonna stand in the midst of the storms of this life. And if you're here today and you're listening, and maybe you have never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to know that everything else that we talked about is meaningless apart from him because he is the firm foundation that we build our life upon. He is the firm foundation. You see, the world will try to convince you that you need so many other things, that you need all of these things to be satisfied, to be happy. But I want you to see this. One day, It's not gonna be the last day of the year, but it's gonna be the last day of your life. And in that moment, it won't matter how much money you made. It won't matter how many things you acquired. It won't matter how much you achieved with your life. The only thing that's gonna matter is what did you do with Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life, or is he just a good teacher? Do you know him, or do you just know about him? I want you to see one last verse. In Luke chapter 12, Luke is sharing some of the similar teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, but he gives us a different illustration. In verse 19, it says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What good will it be if you treasure all of these things in the world that you cannot keep and you miss out on the one thing that you cannot lose? What good will it be if you acquire all the things that you've ever desired, but you miss out on knowing the one that you were created for? Will it be worth it? I believe that the best way that you can close out 2023 and start 2024 is by saying yes to Jesus. He loved you so much that even when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he came to this earth and he died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. And he rose again on the third day so that we could have life and we could have it in abundance. If you're ready to say yes to him, I wanna invite you to pray with me. I'm gonna pray. You can pray as I'm praying and say yes to Jesus today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to this earth. I believe that he lived a perfect life and I believe he died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the third day. God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we know that all of heaven rejoices when someone makes the decision to follow him. So come on, let's rejoice with all of those who made that decision today. And if you made that decision today, if you're at one of our locations, you can take out the red card that's in the seat back in front of you. Simply check the box that applies to how God is working in your life. You can place it in the baskets at the doors as you leave. And if you're online, you can text YES to 40371. And just let us know as we want to encourage you, we want to pray for you, and we want to help you on the journey. Well, I want to invite everyone to stand with me at this time. For everyone else, I want to encourage you today that the altar is open. A new year is before you. I want to encourage you as we worship in just a moment to come and find a place at the altar and just pray to commit to live for the Lord in 2024, that you're not going to seek after the things that are fading, but you're going to lay up your treasure in heaven. You're going to seek first the kingdom of God and you're going to build your life upon the rock. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your love. God, we thank you for the truth from your word. God, I pray that you would use it today and apply it to our hearts. God, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers also. God, I pray that all around this room, that you would fill people with your spirit. And God, I pray that as we head into a new year, that we would seek you first, that we would live for you, And God, I pray that we would take the good news of who you are everywhere that we go. God, I pray that you would be glorified through all we say and all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.